0: Simpler Communications.
3: Play Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan.
2: This is the MD's fantasy football show with Dan Mayner, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome
3: in to a Clairvoyant Thursday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe that we get notified whenever we have new content available to you. And check us out on BellyUp.TV. Download the Foxy Network app to find us on demand. Or LG, Samsung, Roku, or Fire TV devices. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. It really does help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got a jam-packed room to kick off this Thursday special here today. Of course, you have my co-host, who's always with me on Thursday nights, Mr. Christopher Dow Howard, down your bottom left corner. At the bottom right, we got Mr. Brian Scott feeling a little bit better today to talk about some of the injury inquiries. And our special guest at the top right, Mr. Adam LaRue from Billy Up Fantasy Live, Chris's co-host on Tuesday nights at 8:30. Make sure you check out that. We'll start with Adam. Adam, how you doing today?
0: Doing good, yeah. Watching some Thursday night football. Uh, ugly product, but better than no football. So uh, there's something.
3: Is it though? Is it? no. <laughs> I, I, I do, I do, I do agree. Brian, you know, that's vocals. You got them
1: all warmed up. Got the yeah. tea out. Popped about thirty lozenges today, so uh, feeling <laughs> a little better.
4: <laughs> and Chris, how are you? I'm doing okay. I, I felt like Brian earlier, but I'm feeling better now. I don't need to the lozenges, so yeah. Way soldier up, no, Brian. I think Brian's prognosis is looking pretty good for this. You can be able to get through the show, I
3: think. I, I think so as well. But before we, we lose him, let's go ahead and just dive into it because we have no idea when his voice might kick out again.
2: Injury inquiries. Oh, oh,
3: oh! Okay, Brian, one day I'm going to stop asking you about Keenan Allen. But that day... <laughs> Is not today. No, it's so not. he didn't practice at all this week. Didn't practice at all last week. What What do you think is happening here?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> um, I kind of, I kind of now am really baffled as to why they just didn't put him on IR and and do something about it. Um, Million which, dollar question, right there. Yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't make much sense. Um, all I can think is that the imaging studies that were done, and I'm sure they've done a bunch of them have all come back that it's nothing too significant or nothing that they can treat surgically. And they're just letting him kind of do his thing and buy him his time, try and get him back on the field. Um, It's a very specific type of hamstring injuries that can sometimes be treated surgically and not many of them are. So that's my guess is that that's what he's dealing with. And there's nothing significant on probably the MRI scans that he's had done that lets them know that there's anything more than they can do than what they're doing. And like I've said before, a lot of it is very subjective. Um, They might feel better, but when they get out there on the field and actually try to test it out and see what they got, a lot of times they end up realizing that they're not quite as good as they thought they were, and so they end up having setbacks. And we know he's had at least one. My guess is he might have had several, and we just haven't heard about them because this is not very typical. I mean, yes, hamstring injuries do linger. They do take a while, but this is going beyond that now. You know we're we're looking at, um, I mean, what almost nine weeks? Um, yeah, A significant amount of time. Uh, if if he's not been able to get out there by now, I, I don't know if he ever will. The rest of the season,
4: so something to could, watch for sure. Guy, okay, Chris, I was going to jump in, Rodan. I was making a oh, you know wise-ass comment in a sense, but correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Joe Lombardi is the offensive of coordinator for the Chargers, right? So I'm just going to play six degrees of separation, and this sounds a lot like Michael Thomas. Um, I, I heard you know we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. Is this you know, is this kind of translating? We saw the Chargers have some mistakes last year where they you know punctured the guy's lung. Um, is this could be a case where we're just having poor doctors not really know how to, you know diagnose something properly? Where you kind of called the Michael Thomas injury you know weeks ago, and we're like, hey, this guy's not going to come back anytime soon. I think it's an injury. I think it is. So is Keenan Allen? You know somebody who's basically waiting for the doctors, the medical staff to actually get their heads out of their asses.
1: Should should the Chargers be calling Brian Scott as far as be their head their medical. I'd be staff. I'd be happy yep. to get over there and give them a, my <laughs> consultation. Um, there you go. I, I think it actually may come down more to what the tra- what is the training staff doing on a day-to-day basis. I mean, the doctors are there on the sideline every weekend, and we hear their names dropped all the time and we hear about you know what the doctors say and when the guys are cleared. But the guys who are treating the players day to day and doing all the treatment plans, taking them through the rehab protocols are all the medical staff that's full-time, the athletic training staff, the guys that are there every day, travel with the team, uh, take care of a lot of these guys on the side um, of the field, but also in the locker rooms and the practice fields and the facilities in the off season. Um, I'm questioning what's going on. What are they doing? What, what, what seems to be the hold holdup setback? Uh, I don't know, man. Hard to say, but yeah, I mean, across the league, there's, you're going to have very vari- variability and, the staff that you have, the uh, expertise they have, the experiences they have, so you're not going to get quite the same type of care you will in San Diego as you might in New York, as you might in Miami, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, I'm sure that's playing into it to some degree, but uh, you know, that's kind of hard to really know um, unless you're really in there uh, doing it with them. So, for sure. On the other side, we got Mike Williams still dealing with the high ankle sprain. Now, wh- when do you think he'll be back? Obviously, it won't be this week. Two years. so i think i I calculated he's in the week three of this ankle sprain and as we've said before uh, on the show high ankle sprains can take several weeks um so i would say at least maybe another two to three weeks at at least okay so we'll look for that debo seems to be back and practicing in full so it looks like he's gonna be okay yeah i think he's gonna be good to go he had a bye week to kind of rest and recover and i think that did him well and Sounds like it was not a, a too significant a hamstring injury. Uh, he might have just tweaked it or maybe had some cramping in there, and they kind of took it easy with him and uh, babied that thing. But uh, the, the bye week uh, is what really uh, allowed him to get back on the field this week, and he's uh, ready to go. John Dotson returned to practice today. He did in a limited fashion. Um, first time he's practiced since, I think, October 20th. hasn't played since week four, so substantial amount of time he missed with a hamstring injury. Um. Although there is some excitement, I I just want to pump the brakes a little bit until we see him actually test this thing out and move past the limited uh, status. Um, I'm not so sure he's going to be out there just quite yet. Okay. And then, uh, well, Jamie McKissick, his neck issue. What do you make of that? Uh, every anytime you hear a football player with a neck injury, it's never good, especially running back position. There's been m- many running backs whose careers have ended because of neck injuries. So, what I read today um, in several reports that he was not a practice, that he was seeking um, a, a visit with a, a specialist of the cervical spine. Whether or not that's a second opinion, I don't know. Uh, but this could this could potentially be a prolonged absence, depending on what they say, what their recommendations are. Um, so I don't expect him to be back anytime soon. Um, especially if we haven't seen him on the practice field.
3: And, yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes out on that. We got Nico Collins. He's coming back from a groin issue.
1: Yeah, sounds like it's not too serious. Um, I think he missed about two weeks, um, and now he's uh, returned in a limited practice uh, heading into this weekend matchup against the Giants. I I think they'll ramp up his activity as the week goes on. He should be a game-time decision, but I think he'll be available. Jarvis Landry is going to be back on the field finally. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, limited in practice. Uh, again, uh, not a hang- high ankle sprain, but obviously a significant one that's kept him out of action for several weeks. And he was limited all last week and then didn't play. So um, we'll see what he's able to do. Uh, as far as the limited role, uh, if he can't get out there full, this could be a game time decision. We might see him suit up. He might be limited snaps. Depends on how he feels. Chris, what were you going to say?
4: Uh, I was talking about the Houston Nico Collins is back. I, I heard Brandon Cooks is also back from this seems sucks injury and has returned, <laughs> but possibly should be returned. Yeah, he didn't he fight injury list, so that
3: was just, that was an ego hurt thing. Not a, not a physical injury, but yeah. yes, it sounds like Brandon Cooks is going to be back uh, as well. Uh, moving along here, Jonathan Taylor, he's back practicing in full. So you have any concerns about him?
1: Um, my my concern with him is that he, this is the second time now where he's gone down with the same ankle issue and both times has missed a couple of weeks and then bounced back. So let's just hope this doesn't linger the rest of the way here. If it does, we might see him again possibly uh, miss some time, but hopefully he's about as close to 100% as he's going to get and he can make it through the, the rest of this uh, season here. Do we really think
3: Ezekiel Elliott is going to be able to put on a full show?
1: Well, uh, he's been limited in practice. Uh, they've been taking it slow with him because they don't want to have a repeat of, uh, I think, a couple years ago where he kind of dealt with a knee issue the entire season. Um, so my guess is that they're going to uh, – cut he's listed as day-to-day, or they said it was day-to-day. He's probably going to end up being questionable heading into the weekend, and I think he's probably going to be a game-time decision. I wouldn't bank necessarily on him – um, having any significant impact or or playing time if he does suit up. I think it might be in a limited role just to kind of gauge where he's at. Uh, again, that's depending on whether he suits up at all.
3: And then, of course, we have more high ankle sprains. Romeo Dobbs, he was on his way to maybe getting back into the good graces of Aaron Rodgers, and then he gets hurt early on in the game.
1: Yeah, not good. He was seen leaving the game with crutches and in a boot, uh, and that's typically how you want to treat high ankle sprains initially because, like we said, they are usually more significant. They usually take a long time to heal, and sometimes the best way to treat them initially is to get the player off it, have them non-weight-bearing with crutches and a boot, and then get them started on rehab in a couple weeks. So he's probably going to be shut down for some time.
3: On the flip side, though, Aaron Rodgers, he he leaves the game with an ankle issue, but it sounds like he's going to be good to go
1: um Aaron Jones. I'm sorry, Aaron Jones. Yes. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, so he was also seen leaving in a boot, not with crutches, but leaving in a boot. Apparently, um X-rays were negative and then had some additional testing earlier this week, which again showed no major structural damage. So it sounds like it was pretty um mild or moderate sprain, um but uh we haven't seen him get a full practice in yet. He was limited yesterday. Pretty sure he was limited again today. Couldn't find the reports today um so we might not see him this week but it might not be a prolonged absence all right well guess what that does it for our list we burned right through it there
3: brian thanks for your time man what do you got going on this weekend where can we follow you at what what we got coming out
1: well uh adam uh um i'm sorry andrew uh, laduck and i have the um uh inside the medical 10 article coming out tomorrow i actually got to get him over my stuff tonight here. Um, so I got a little behind on that. Um, so that'll be out tomorrow on the fantasy football website. And then uh, I'll be on uh, TSS fantasy eight o'clock AM Sunday morning, doing last minute updates for the Sunday games. And, uh, you know, check, check in with me on Twitter from time to time. I'll be doing injury updates throughout the weekend. Sounds good.
3: Brian, thank you so much for your time and hope you're doing better
1: next week, man. My pleasure guys. You're well, Brian.
3: Thank you. Take care. Again, that's Mr. Brian Scott the Injured List Podcast. Make sure you give it a follow. Make sure you download it wherever you listen to podcasts. And give him a follow on social media at hostbrianscott. All right, fellas. Now it's time to start looking into the fantasy futures. Before we start diving into our analysis, though, we got two questions right off the jump. So first up, sober thoughts. What are y'all's thoughts on Greg Dolchich for Dynasty, Adam?
0: Yeah, I, I I think you would be very excited if he's someone that you grabbed uh, in your dynasty drafts, uh, you know, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think he's someone that you can still kind of buy low on. He's, you know, endeared himself to this, um, or, you know, buy high, so to speak, for tight ends. But uh, nonetheless, you could buy into Dulcich. He's endeared himself to this staff. He's drafted by them. Uh, it's an offense that's going to utilize the tight end position, and he's played pretty well.
3: He has, I mean, anytime you can draft rookie tight end, he pays off in his first year. Exactly. You're, al- you're already ahead of the game. What do you think, Chris?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about him a lot in different shows. You know, Greg Doltich is a guy that the staff, you know, handpicked. I think that's key, Adam was trying to, you know, allude to that when they're handpicked and you see what's the running back situation where Melvin Gordon wasn't the guy they wanted, they gave the ball to Tavius Murray. They're going to give the ball to the guy that they want to. This offensive coaching staff sucks, but they can game plan for one player. And that's Greg Doltich, And he's been being a beneficiary since he's been in the starting lineup
3: He's he's my tight end nine coming into this week. I already have him as a top ten play. You got got to must play him. Our free Alberto, yeah, free Alberto. Super C N B challengers. Yo, I just got offered Amon Ra and Kelsey, and I would be giving up Devontae Adams and Olave full point PPR. I can start Palmer Pickens, Mikal Hardman instead of Olave. I can get Mike Williams and Jamar back. And he kind of went on a whole rant there. Basically. It's he got offered Amon Raw and Kelsey for Devontae Adams and Chris Olave. So, Adam, would you do this deal?
0: That's really difficult. Uh, I do really like the depth pieces you kind of have there, though, with Palmer uh, and Pickens especially. Uh, Mikol, too, I think is interesting for a couple weeks here uh, as Tony is kind of getting himself adjusted Uh yeah I I mean I don't know the Lions schedule is difficult down the stretch which is the only thing that's kind of holding me back here I do really like Amon Ra and I want to say that he could be kind of you know can fight through the the schedule but if if uh Goff is playing poorly you know down the stretch a lot of outside uh a lot of in the elements uh a lot of tough NFC North matchups Chicago for instance you know late there that kind of gives me a little bit of pause uh but I, I like the thought of getting a higher tier receiver and getting a, a tight end because I do think you, I like the wide receiver depth.
4: Chris, what's say you? Yeah, this is a tough one. I think it depends on what I need to get into the playoffs in a sense. Like, if my division's loaded with guys who have a lot of receivers or different positions and I want to get advantage of, I'm adding Travis Kelsey because I have the top tight end that I'm kind of alluded to. And I'm not saying Brian can be a guy that has, definitely has a floor. We haven't necessarily the ceiling, but it's more so because of kind of this game script. Not, we, we know last last year... In the beginning of this year, when they want to use him, they do. The receiving court, even when they get Williams back, won't be December. He's not gonna still gonna be unleashed. So St. Brown has a great to me uh, view for, for me moving forward in a tight end position. Kelsey's one of the you know, lock in lock him in guys. The only reason I have caution is Devonta Adams is a guy that who through attrition might be the only receiver left in Raiders right now. Waller went on IR, Runford went on IR. So you're gonna see a guy who got 20 you know targets the first game that could be the norm. So it'd be my only caution. I love Olive's upside, you know, all over the place kind of movement. See if I can kind of match the consistency the tight end to me could be the, the kind of sweetener.
3: Yeah, make, make it a unanimous. Uh, I would definitely take that deal for Amon Ra and, and Travis Kelsey. I mean, look, I already talked about in yesterday's show how St. Brown is my number one buy-low target right now at the wide receiver position because people are just fed up with him. They're, he missed a handful of games. He's been disappointing from what you're expecting when you drafted him. But the fact is this. Detroit still has to throw the ball a ton. Jared Goff, I don't believe, will play this badly for the rest of the season. I think that's the key point here. And then the flip side of that, Travis Kelsey outside of Josh Allen, is the biggest advantage you can have at any one position in fantasy football right now. I'm pulling the trigger on that deal. We'll get to the questions as we go throughout the show, but let's get this thing kicked off with our first four matchups to talk about. So we're going to be talking about the Texans, the Giants, and we got the Saints against the Steelers. The Colts against the Raiders. I don't have a few things to say about that. And we got the Cowboys against the Green Bay Packers. So the first four matchups we'll talk about in this first show. And let's get it kicked off with our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Uh, Saquon Barkley is my number one running back. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. about Any comments? No? Okay, cool. Well, let's move on to Devontae Adams. It's a little more interesting here, going against the Colts. Probably we'll see Stephon Gilmore. I got him as my wide receiver six this week. Too high, not high enough. What do you think, Adam?
0: Um, I- I'd say that's about right. Uh, that game is going to be kind of unpredictable, but just given every you know little bit of information. Uh, that you have about Devonte Adams uh, you we know we know that he can be a target hog we know he will be the only uh, you know reliable target out there um, you know we know that Derek Carr loves throwing it to him and we know that Derek Carr you know clearly needs some kind of uh, you know something to get himself going so I could see uh, you know Devonte Adams has a lot of upside again I, I think this is a, a weird game just with everything going around in both organizations but you know, Devonte Adams is the closest thing to something that we know uh, in either relay team right now.
3: Okay, Chris, what, what do we think is going on? Because Devonte Adams, he finally has a big breakout game last week after having a dead performance the week before. The Colts look like they're kind of all over the place. The Raiders look like they're all over the place. This offense is getting consolidated with Renfro and Waller going on IR. Is there just anything to worry about? I don't
4: think so. I mean, you know, Devonte Adams had a bad game, but he was also sick that week. Um, the whole Raider team was, was horrible. He had three targets. Since, other than that, he had been a receiver, one of the top-tier receivers on a stretch for six, seven weeks in a row where he was ripping, you know, ripping up everybody in the league. And I talked about that first game of the season. We saw 20 targets. So when I look at the Colts team, yes, it's a tough matchup. Now, Stefan Gilbert doesn't travel, um, so he's not guys guy be shadowing him. But Adams can move all over the formations. He probably definitely will be, you know, based on personnel we see right now. And then when you go to the fact that, this is a team that plays a lot of zone. Derek Hart tends to play pretty well against zone defenses because he can't take a duck with the best of them. So Devonta Adams, to me, is a guy that I definitely think should be a starting I think, you know, top five, you have him right around the right spot, but upside for much more.
3: All right. Well, Let's move into our lock ins because I only had two obvious starters for those matchups, believe it or not. It's how thrilling those four games are, frankly, going to be. Isn't uh, that fantastic? Don't you love when that happens? All right, know, so let's, three weeks. <laughs> let's, let's move to our lock in lock in
4: It's a lock!
3: I'm locking in. Damian Pierce as my RB9 this week. If he can do it against the Philadelphia Eagles, he can frankly do it against anybody. He's getting the ball come hell or high water. And the Giants, while the defense has performed admirably, well, guess what? You can run on them all season long. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you just have to go Damian Pierce in the top 10. Am I too high? Adam, go ahead.
0: Um, I, I think I would just want to check in on him because I know he was limited in practice, uh, either yesterday or both today and yesterday. Um, I, he's at worst a high end RB two, So I don't want to get too like, you know, into the weeds with him. Uh, he might just be a tad high if he carries that limited through the week.
3: Yeah. I think he practiced in full today. Okay. Right? If
0: that's the case, then yeah,
4: I think he's fine where he is.
3: Chris, I know you love Damien Pierce. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
4: I mean uh, look, he's going to have a good matchup, and he's definitely been effective. Um, I mean, averaging 2.1 yards after contact, one of the you know top five guys after contact.
2: But the offensive line's also
4: been tremendous, which Green. Um, but I look at the thing, nice matchup for the Giants. I just worry about the pass catching. Uh, he wasn't involved in the passing game, you know, passing game last week. Even though the you know, game script kind of fell behind, they used by to kind of throw the ball. The Giants will run blitz. You can't run at the Giants, but it's not going to be a high-scoring game. Steve so Pierce is kind of valued based on when he gets in the end zone. And I think it's going to be kind of crucial for him to have, you know, high end value.
2: With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Well, I I mean, I don't
3: know if it's really dependent on whether he gets in the end zone. Because this is a guy has been at like 20 carries for over 100 yards pretty consistently.
4: Well, you need the 100 yards or you get 80 yards and it's eight points and you get squat from him. Because (laughs) otherwise, that's, that's the problem.
3: That, that's fine. I just wanted to make I just wanted to make sure you made that point.
4: Uh, well, Al- I say that because, look, look, sorry. I was going to say, Kenneth Walker, you know, wasn't doing anything special until he had that big run at the end against the Giants. So, it's you know, it does take a big run here or there to kind of get those yards. So if he's going to kind of be plodding along, he has been and banged up, as Adam had alluded to. There could be, you know, the 20-yard difference could be huge.
3: No, don't disagree. Alvin Kamar comes in in my RB10. Uh, it was a bad week on Monday Night Football, and I keep forgetting. I need Adam to remind me of this. I keep and forgetting on. about Andy Dalton and prime time matchups. Adam's always really good at reminding me about that, and like after the fact when I've already like <laughs> put out my rankings and I put up my players. But yes, I Adam. So whenever the Saints or the Vikings play, you need to let me know when it's a prime time matchup so I actually think about that factor. All right, worry All right, we're yep. good. Let's let's move on to Josh Jacobs. I do want to talk about him in a little more depth. So. Lowest I've had him ranked in a while. I still got him at RB8, so that's, that's saying something there. Is there any concerns right now? Because for me, I actually have him as a buy low target heading forward if people are starting to panic because the volume is just there. Do we think he gets back up to the production that he had, Adam?
0: <coughs> um, I'm cautiously optimistic that he will. Uh, I, I definitely lean that way. Um, he hasn't looked terrible the Raiders just as a team have I mean they've had to get away from him at times just again they've been getting down pretty early like they haven't looked good um, and, and I don't know that that'll necessarily completely change but like I don't think that they're as bad as they played like last week for instance
3: okay well Chris what, what do you think do you think he's a buy low candidate or are you just staying away
4: no, I think he's a bylaw candidate, but not a guy I love this week necessarily. It's you know, this Colts team's not easy to run the ball against. The Patriots came in you know, looking to run the ball and struggled to do so because the offense that kind of let the Colts down. So this is gonna kind of raider team that hasn't run the ball necessarily that well over the last few weeks. So Buckner's out there, Leonard's out there, this team's a different team, the Colts defense. So it's not gonna be an easy matchup. For me, the key is gonna be is Josh McDaniel's kind of get his head out of his ass and start you know, start throwing the ball to Josh Jacobs once in a while because that's gonna be crucial with the lack of passing attack. That's a passing options, I should say. You're gonna either another guy explosive, explosive that can make something happen and you know create some plays for you. So using Josh Jacobson in the screens, using him in the passing game would be crucial and smarter than to do. I don't know if you know, Josh McDaniels can be smart, but I do think there's, you know, a guy who could buy upside value which you see see right now and maybe if the light bulb goes off, maybe even more.
3: Yeah, I, that that's the key point. McDaniels is, is killing this team. I mean, uh, Jacobs has three targets over the past couple of weeks, and and the one concern I have had is that all of a sudden Amir Abdullah has been kind of working his way into certain third and long situations, certain two-minute drills, starting to run a few more patterns. That's been the main concern that I've had when it comes to Josh Jacobs keeping the overall volume that he needs to have. Like We look at this team. It's not a high-scoring team. He's got to get the ball, like you said. In the pass game, in the rushing game, I think that will continue to happen as this thing plays out, but just kind of keep your eye on Abdullah if he starts to get more and more touches. My last lock of in running back is Aaron Jones comes in an rB fourteen uh, he 's been practicing in full to, he was practicing in full today, so he 's going to be good to go he 's going to play and I think he 's the only weapon. Well, I take that back. Lazard, too. And we'll talk about Lazard in a minute. But I think he's the only best weapon they have against the Dallas Cowboys in the backfield to be able to do anything. A.J. Dillon against the Detroit Lions for the entire second half that he had the entire you know game to himself, basically. And the, and the Packers, despite losing, had the ball pretty much that entire game. A.J. Dillon does nothing. Absolutely nothing. He just does not look like himself. He can't find holes. He's not plowing through people. And I don't know how he's able to get going against Dallas. So Aaron Jones, who had four carriers for 40 yards, I think I'm locking him in my top 15 because he's going to have to lead the way. Right, Adam?
0: Yeah. No, 100% agreed. Uh, A.J. Dillon has not looked good, kind of to your point, uh, you know, so far this year. Uh, th- this is going to be a tough matchup, probably a low-scoring matchup on the whole. Um, so you know, I don't expect Dallas to pull too far away to where the running game gets phased out. And Aaron Jones is kind of foolproof in that sense anyways, because you know he does have some value uh, as a receiver. So Aaron Jones, as long as he plays and as long as he's you know locking in full practices, I think it's all steam ahead with him.
3: Chris, let me ask you this question, because there was this article floating around right now from ESPN. Do you think the Packers would actually shut down Aaron
4: Rodgers sooner rather than later? I don't think they'll shut him down unless he asks to be shut down. Um, I do think there's a good chance Aaron Rodgers is this is it because he does not look invested in this season at all. It looks as the season progresses more and more that he doesn't give two shits to be out there. So I, I don't know if they can have the guts in the sense to kind of shut it down because you just paid a guy 200-something million dollars. You're going to say, well, here's that. no Go right off to the sunset. Um, I think they're going to try to milk him as long as they possibly can for everything they can
2: get out of. him.
3: All right. Well yeah, it's gonna be something interesting to watch because I said it last week and I was I was wrong. I made the Packers one of my lock bets of the week. So I was like, this is their season. If they lost against the Detroit Lions, I don't know what they're going to do. And that didn't wind up happening. And you gotta figure, well, Dallas is way better. How do you wind up beating Dallas? So now all of a sudden you find yourselves in these situations of, okay, do we, we need to play Jordan Love to see if we can get him some value to maybe trade him potentially? Because, I mean, contract-wise, you're still locked into Aaron Rodgers for another year unless he decides to retire. So that, that, all of that is going to come to fruition over the next few weeks, and the Packers are going to be an interesting team to watch as a result of that. Until we see some movement on that end, like, I know there's a lot of people asking questions about, do we sell high on Aaron Jones while you still can? I would look into it for sure, but I'm not going to just sell him off. Okay, this is still a really good running back. It's hard to find this season. He's still really explosive. And because A.J. Dillon has never been able to get anything going, I think you're going to be okay with Aaron Jones until we start to see some real shake him up at that position. Even if they bench Aaron Rodgers or shut him down, however they wind up phrasing it, I still think they're going to have to lean on the backfield because they're going to want to showcase Jordan Love, which means any weapon they do have, I do believe will be out there. Uh, as a result to that. But let's talk about the wide receivers. Chris Olave, he comes in my wide receiver, 11. This feels a little bit high to me. I want to get your guys' opinion on this. Without Jameis Winston, Olave doesn't seem to have that big ceiling. But he's so consistent. And I don't think the Jarvis Landry addition is really going to hinder this in any kind of capacity. Is is that a too high of a mark And a guy in a plus match against the Pittsburgh Steelers? What do you think, Adam? Go ahead.
0: Um, I I would have worries a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I think kind of to your point, you need him to get a touchdown. And this is a game that I don't think it's out of the question that New Orleans kind of gets ahead of uh, relatively quickly. New Orleans isn't great, but they're a lot better than Pittsburgh, in my opinion. I wouldn't be shocked if again, they kind of uh, got to a point where they weren't throwing as much. I, I think you probably need a first half touchdown for him to return on a, a wide receiver one basis. That being said, with the consistency he has had all season, I wouldn't have him much lower than, um, you know, like a high-end, mid-end wide receiver two. So it's not like we're, you know, we're splitting hairs here.
3: All right. Uh, Chris, what what do we think? With that, and then also Chris Olave, like because he's been somebody who's been consistently in my top, you know, wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one territory. But as we keep going into the season with Andy Dalton, it just feels like a kind of a ho hum thing, but is that okay?
4: I think this year it's going to be because you're, you know, that receiver two doesn't really necessarily exist. I think right this year you're getting all you guys all over the place and you're looking for some kind of consistency. And you know, usually from your receiver two, that's one of the guys who provide it. You now, Chris is a guy I like to have on my typically have on my team as a receiver two because he's usually a guy who to be involved the in, week out. Not always the highest ceiling, but good volume, so he keeps you know afloat. Chris his explosiveness gives you that chance to give can a break one but you love it and you kind of, you know, the maximization, maximization of the volume that he's kind of seeing. The only finishers I have is Andy Dalton on the road, the Saints on the road. These teams play differently on the, outside, and then Andy Dalton in particular is not very great outside. So it's the only thing for Chris Holliday who relies on his speed, you know, having that big play, you might see little, even you know shorter passes in a sense and less big up play explosiveness as they play outside more often.
3: You're going to play CD Lamb, plain and simple. I got him at wide receiver eight this week. The only concern I may have, Green Bay Packers, very good against slot receivers. That's predominantly where C.D. Lamb is playing. But there's no questions he's going to be in your lineup. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. Let's talk about Alan Lazard. So, Romeo Dobbs, he's gone. Sammy Watkins is a zombie out there. He's, just, he's, he's there. He's running the treadmill. He's not actually doing anything. Alan Lazard has had five touchdowns in the last seven games. I got him at wide receiver 12 this week. I'm locking him in as a low end wide receiver. One again, looking for guys who can actually make things happen against a tough defense. And I think he's one of the few guys. As long as he's out there and healthy, you can actually trust to get in the end zone one way or another. Am I too high at him?
0: No, I don't think so. Like to your point, uh, there's not a lot of guys this year that are consistently like I can safely say uh, you know it's better than a dice flip that'll get a touchdown. You know, there, it's higher than a 50% chance he gets a touchdown. He's been getting them uh you know in bunches you know this year not you know many in per game but once per game a lot of the times uh you know I I feel safe with him he is a 10 point plus uh PPR point per game scorer most you know most weeks uh and he has a little bit of upside with the end zone so I'm down for it for sure
3: Chris any, any concerns about Dallas's defense just dominating completely in
4: this game well, absolutely. I think that definitely could happen and probably will happen. We saw, you know, just, just Detroit Lions dominated the Green Bay Packers and they held them nine points. So, I mean, obviously it could definitely happen. I but, but I think Al Lazard, though, should be one of the guys that still can be you know, receiver three at worst or receiver two more than likely. So I think regardless, you know, if this team's going to do anything offensively, it's going to be through him. Um, I'd probably trust him more than I trust Aaron Jones this week.
3: Um, so I make this outline before the news came out later this afternoon that Darren Waller got moved to the IR. So in his place, Foster Moreau, can we highlight? Can we can we stream him? And the thing about him is that he's been streaming, he's been out there, but he's not scoring the touchdown, and it's not really doing much as a result. And frankly, outside Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, I don't know if you can trust anybody to do anything. So are you guys? Well, sorry, Chris, this time are you? Streaming Foster Moreau in replacement of Darren Waller.
4: I have I am not, and I haven't really been looking to do so since Darren Waller's been out. I know that you know Foster Moreau has some decent games. I love the upside, and I definitely don't trust the volume. And you know, this this team's struggling to evolve anybody offensively. We kind of talked about different players. And you know, tight end to me is a guy that usually should be featured, but is not being. Matt Collins to me is the only guy I might consider streaming in the meantime because he's the only one who probably sees you know targets whether people play or don't play.
3: I do like Matt Collins a lot for DFS purposes uh, as well. Yeah. Like I have Austin Moreau down at like tight end 23. So let's move into our lookout for players for these four matchups. Look out for. All right. Look out for Dak Prescott. I actually got him as QB seven and I had to do a double take when I ran through my algorithm and saw him that high against the green Bay Packers. So I guess this comes up with, with two questions. And I'll give the first one to Adam. And I'll give the second one to Chris. So, the first one is Are they going to open up the offense now that Dak Prescott's back? We saw some evidence of that before the bye week, but still only wound up with 27 pass attempts. So, do we think we start to see a more open offense where Dak gets the flourish and some of these other guys get the flourish moving forward?
0: I think they'll be willing to. Uh, you know, certainly if the great game script uh, forces them to, I just don't know that they're going to be necessarily dying to. Uh, you know, especially, you know, you get a bye week. I, I think for a, a while there, they had a good stretch of being successful running the football. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to completely step away from that being a passing tack oriented team, uh, you know, if they don't have to. Now, again, if the game script keeps the game close, then yeah, I, like I think they will trust Dak to throw a, a high volume passing game if necessary. I just don't know if that's necessarily going to be the default. Well,
3: Chris, let my thing with Dak Prescott is he's got to be able to use his legs. That's where his fantasy value, frankly, to me, has to come from. Now, he did last He did last time. He had five carries, 34 yards, even had the rushing touchdown. Kind of looked like a little vintage Dak. It was against a better matchup. But is that something we're going to start to see? Is Dak going to start to use his legs more? Can we get excited about that or no?
4: I hope so. Look, you know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Dallas came back off the bye and I was actually impressed. I've been killing Dak Prescott since last year because I think he just didn't look the same. Uh, you know, he's been living off kind of what he did two years ago three years ago now almost and was kind of unable to push the ball to the outside, unable to kind of put his zip on the passes, and the offense struggled. So he looked good against Chicago, but I'm just going to you know, ask the panel real quick, um, can we name anybody on the front line of Chicago? Can we, can we think of anybody who can get any pass rush to Chicago or even the linebackers left there? And I, I make that a point because while the Packers aren't, haven't been good, they have spent all kinds of money in cap space for stupid reasons, draft picks, whatever, but all on defense, and they have actual players, that you heard of and know, while Chicago has no pass rush. So what Dak did against Chicago and, and their shitty linebackers, I'm not going to necessarily take um, too much solace in until I see it happen again. Green Bay is not, you know, their offense is future. Their defense isn't that bad.
3: Okay, okay. Uh, let's move on to my running backs. Look out for Jonathan Taylor. Now I'm going to move him up. I have him at RB26 right now. That was done earlier in the week. I don't make I make my updates on BillyFantasySports.com throughout the weekend. We still weren't sure if Jonathan Taylor was even going to play. So he'll definitely get moved up into at least my high-end rb <coughs> Even against the Raiders, I don't know if I can move him any higher than that. So this is where we kind of open the floor to Adam.
0: What do you think Jeff Saturday does for this team? Um, I don't know. I, I think early on, it's just going to be the little things. I, I don't see him as someone that, you know, needs uh to put his hands on things where they don't necessarily belong. He seems pretty level-headed that way Um, from everything I'm gathering. So I, I think early on, it's just going to be a lot of, you know, the motivator rah-rah guy. Uh, you know, maybe he takes a, a more hands-on approach with the offensive line, especially, you know, throughout the season as a whole. But he didn't meet with the players for the first time until Wednesday morning. hes They've had two walkthroughs with him as the head coach. I don't think he's had any time uh, to really make a crazy big impact, uh, you know, when it comes to anything, really. I mean, this is still going to be a game plan out of, you know, the right tree of coaching,
4: essentially.
3: Uh, Chris, what, what, what do you think?
4: I've been really excited about this, and I talked to Adam Atlanta off, you know, off the air about this. This is something that I think, number one, I want to praise the team because everybody's killing this move. Thank you for thinking outside the box for once. And the NFL retrade, you know, coaching staff is getting really old and really boring to watch. Thus, we have a, a, a league that you can't touch the receivers, and we're scoring 14 points week in, week out. Just saying. Having played that point, just Saturday is going to be a guy who reminds me a lot of Dan Campbell. And Dan Campbell came in with an attitude and a way of where we're going to play things and things we're going to do. And this is a simplification of the sense. I think what Frank Reich struggled was trying to figure out who the Colts were. It was who he wanted to be, which is kind of a wuss. And then what the Colts are built to be, or you know, the GM kind of wanted them to be you know, a physical team that has a great running back. I think what you saw was a weird compromise where we're going to have, you know, Sam Ellinger, who's pretty much can only run, have him throw and not use our running backs like last week with the Patriots. So that's out the window. I think Jeff Saturday is going to keep it simple. He's going to try to get his team kind of focused. And this Colts team isn't a bad team. So, yes, the quarterback's quite questionable. Matt Ryan sucked the quarterback, so it's not a twist. They can actually be competitive with Jeff Saturday as a coach.
3: Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's what you're hoping for. That's, that's the best-case scenario, right? That he becomes Dan Campbell, that he gives them a focus, he, gives, he gets them going downhill, makes things simplified, as you were talking about. Sam Ellinger ruins all of that. Now, it might look okay against the Raiders, but he's not an NFL quarterback, and that ruins all of that for me. Jonathan Taylor might get 20 carries, but it might be for 50 yards. That offensive line still didn't get any better over the process here. So I well, don't know how much I buy into this.
4: The reason I say it I have some more faith in that, look at Atlanta's situation. Like, Look, I'm not, I don't love Arthur Smith, what he's doing. I think it's stupid, but their offensive line is not anything special, and their quarterback has, wasn't necessarily running the ball a lot. But if you commit to running the ball and you have a quarterback who can run, Sam you could take a hit. You're not gonna break a lot of wrong runs, but you can take a hit. Um, if you kind of commit to that style, we saw this, you know, I hate to but you saw Denver be successful with that for a while. I think the Colts can kind of find their identity because the offensive line is a bunch of maulers, they're not pass protectors.
3: Yeah. I don't know if they're maulers anymore either outside of Nelson. I think that I think that's I think that's my problem too. I haven't seen them move a the lot of scrimmage, even when they are trying to run downhill, even when they are under center.
4: I just haven't seen it. And that's See, let I me know. answer a question. Real okay. quick. The people added Deion Jackson last week, did they not? Sure, yeah. And the reason was because the Denver game, where he had a pretty successful game because he ran the ball pretty well. They caught the ball too, but he ran pretty well. Both running backs actually ran pretty well in that Denver game with Jonathan Taylor missed. The point being, when they shifted that line and put Smith back inside the guard, Smith is a mauler. He's not supposed to play right tackle. He can't play guard. Kelly's the one who's kind of questionable in the problem right now for them overall. But prior and those other guys, they can kind of get in people's ways. What they can't do is be path protectors and drop back over and over again. That's what they suck at.
3: Well, the one thing I will agree with you on, and Adam will chime in here on, on this point, is that I do think this is going to be a run-first team now with Jeff Saturday.
0: Yeah, 100% agreed.
3: Okay. So that's what we're looking at there, Taylor. Maybe he's got more volume coming up his way. That's
4: what I say. Adam has a, a strong opinion for his own team. We're sitting there like arguing with each other and Adam's just <laughs> like yeah, the it's, it's my team, but I don't I mean, know. Yeah. Adam whatever. just
3: wants <laughs> the season to be over, I think. That's, that's what <laughs> what is. this is a not wrong. like yeah, it's just like I just want this to be over. <laughs> um, all right. So let's move <clears> to Ezekiel <clears throat> to Elliott. We got another kind of like interesting running back tandem thing going on here. So Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's gonna play. Whether he should or not, I don't know. I do have an RB20, though, in the anticipation that he does play. But I do have Tony Pollard one spot in front of him right now at RB19. Now, it's been interesting. When, when Elliott's out there, he's had a 55-45 lead over Pollard. Pollard on the flip side, though, 60-40 when it comes to the passing game. And this is just winds up being a 50-50 committee. Both these guys are RB2s. And I think whether you're an RB2 or a flex play, I think they'll be in most people's lineups. So here's my question to you, too answer this who should it be moving forward not
0: who will it be who should it be adam um i I mean i guess that even comes a little bit higher up from the perspective of am i your coach or am i your gm or you know a jerry jones because because of how much you pay ezekiel elliott you probably should use ezekiel elliott however if i'm the coach Tony Pollard has, over the stretch of at least the last three weeks, four weeks or so, looked better than Ezekiel Elliott. Now, Ezekiel Elliott should not be phased out early in the season, first month, month and a half or so. He looked really good, actually. Some of the best Ezekiel Elliott I think we've seen in a while. Um, So I'm not saying to phase him out by any means, um, just that Pollard's position, I think, can at times uh, when it gets full on into this committee can get a little inconsistent and that shouldn't be allowed to happen because he's an electric playmaker with the ball in his hands.
3: What, what do you think, Chris? What should it be here?
4: I w- look, I think that's a tough question. Cause I don't think able to Tommy Pollard could look so sexy and yards per carry and all the things like that. And Zeke doesn't have the same kind of, you know, skill set, but I think Zeke is the guy that they needed for this offense to work the best. And, I, and they need first downs, they need short yardage. They have explosive guys like Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. They have guys who can make big plays. You know, Dak Prescott you know, can continue to throw the ball down the field. What they don't necessarily have is kind of the identity of the Colts is a guy that can kind of be physical with that line. You have Zach Martin. when You have some of the guys that they drafted. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Smith kid, but he's supposed to be a mauler. Um, you know, using their skill sets to allow them to kind of be physical. Zeke matches that. And Adam talked about it earlier. Well, Zeke's been healthy. He hasn't looked bad the last two years. When people want to kill him because they love Tony Pollard so much, but Zeke is putting pretty good and I think he's a good pass protector. And that's the key thing for Dak Prescott and for any Dallas Cowboy people out there. You know, when you want to see those receivers get the ball or you know Dalton Schultz be involved, they you need Zeke out there sometimes too because he takes a lot of the pass protection off of you know off the plate for people.
3: I think it should be Tony Pollard for this week. For this week. I don't know what Ezekiel Elliott's going to look like coming off an MCL sprain in his knee. And this reminds me a lot of what happened last year when he came back too early, tried to play through the injury, and then looked like my grandpa trying to run through holes out there. I think we're going to see the same thing again. So I think it should be Tony Pollard leading the way. It doesn't have to be the workhorse. Just just be the guy who's in the lead. Have Ezekiel Elliott come in on you know a couple of early downs, maybe some goal line work take the brunt of it. Have him do that kind of stuff. But Tony Pollard, talk about an offense who doesn't have a ton of weapons. They have C.D. Lamb and what? You need a guy who's more explosive, and I think that's why it should be Tony Pollard. Uh, Also, look out for A.J. Dillon. If Aaron Jones plays, A.J. Dillon is just a handcuff at that. Let's move to the wide receivers. Look out for Brandon cooks. So he comes in at wide receiver 36 for me and you know, coming into this matchup. So my borderline flex play, and here's the number one question. Does the squeaky wheel get the grease, Adam?
0: Uh, that's a good question. Uh,
4: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? Oh, you know, we see this. will can get the grease sometimes, and sometimes it gets the water, like in the Jets situation. Where Elijah Moore hasn't got a fucking catch since you know he he, <laughs> he complained to get out of there. So in Brian in Brandon Cooks' situation, I think you have a, you have a mixture of the situations where you have a player who's very upset about the situation. Something's going on there. I think I have ideas what happened, but I don't want to you know preface on this show. But I think that when he, you know Cooks is kind of frustrated with how things were held, he will play. But while I don't like him for, you know, fantasy value wise is he's been terrible this year because Nico Collins has been a guy they prioritized because Damian Pierce has been a guy they prioritized because that's who they're trying to kind of find out what they have. And guess what? Davis Mills can't feature more than one guy at a time. So if you're going to have Nico Collins be that guy, you're going to have David, you know, get the 25 catch 25 carries that you want him to have, then buy buy, bye you know, cooks basically.
3: I think the fact that they did not trade him at least for this week, they got to throw him a bone. They got to throw him because pretty soon he'll just be a cancer in the locker room, and all that young youth you're trying to get moving in the right direction, that can get distracted and thrown off the rails real quickly if you have a veteran, a leader like Brandon Cooks, who's just moping around. I think you have to throw him a bone this week. That's why I have him at wide receiver 36, but just real quick. Yeah, not we're confident have- about
4: it. They, they cut their captains on defense last year, you know, from the linebacker course. So I don't know if that's how they mean being a leader. Yeah, I, they, they weren't being as far.
3: loud as Brandon Cooks is being right now. I think that's the big difference for me. Uh how about Deion Johnson and George Pickens? So Deion Johnson comes into my wide receiver twenty seven. I got George Pickens as my wide receiver nineteen this week. That's right. I got him inside my top twenty. No Marshawn Lattimore going up against the Saints defense. That of course helps. He's already had the best rapport with Pickett amongst the receivers before. And now we take Chase Claypool out of the mix, and this target consolidation should happen between three players. It should happen between Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Pat Freermuth. What do you guys think? George Pickens ahead of Deontay Johnson. Go,
0: Adam. I like Deontay more right now still, and I say that, one, I I like his uh, just the amount of targets. He's got a little bit of a floor. This is a passing offense that the floor can fall out pretty easily. It has not been pretty. And then two, where Pickens to me excels is going down the field, and he's had a couple good uh, good plays doing that so far. But the reality of the situation is, and this is a terrifying stat, they don't have a touchdown from out of the red zone this year. Their longest touchdown was eight yards on offense, completely for the Steelers, eight yards, which <laughs> if you're you know, the player that we're trying to move up, does his best work, you know, going down the field uh, for longer gains. It's kind of hard for me to believe that he has kind of the upside that some of these other guys do. Now, Deontay, uh, you know, you can get some shorter things. And again, I feel more confident in that floor. Uh, Pickens can make big plays, but if he doesn't get at the end zone at the end of them, then it doesn't change things that, that much for me.
3: What do you think? Except for me, the reason why I like Pickens so much with this target solidation. I think he was an extra two to three targets a game away from being a wide receiver, too, because he is the only one that, to has touchdown upside. That's what we've seen so far. So I think that extra bit that he gets from Claypool being gone is what he's needed. But uh, what do you think, Chris?
4: Yeah, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm kind of with Adam on this one. I, I agree with what you're saying. I understand the idea of the targets can you know be something that can be beneficial to him. But you know, the look at the guy's kind of production has been in the season. His one touchdown, one. And and we, we're looking at a guy, basically, we've been putting up TJ Hawkinson numbers from last year that people keep expecting to kind of blow up, but it hasn't necessarily shown you that value. He's had one game over 100 yards this year. Um, so out of the tolerance, all the consolidation, you know, this offense isn't scoring a lot of points. The Johnson's is getting healthier. And last time I checked, he doesn't play the slot. And that's the key thing to me. Chase Claypool was seeing a lot more targets last few weeks because he plays the slot. Uh, they're going to play somebody else's slot, not Pickens. If Pickens moves inside, I love his value. He's going to be the outside We've seen it kind of declining over the last few weeks. Yeah.
3: Deontay's been getting targets all the time. It doesn't matter at all because the only person who gets targeted down the field at all is George Pickens. Uh, But we'll have to see exactly what happens there. Also, look out for Michael Pittman. So there's going to be a push to want to play him because it's the Raiders. I do have him at wide receiver 30 as a result because there's just not a lot of good options with four teams on by. But there's just so much mystery around what the heck to expect this passing attack. If anything, the only thing I can offer is that, well, in two games of Sam Ellinger, he's been the top targeted wide receiver, but that doesn't really seem to matter. So Adam, are you confident in playing Pittman as a flex play this week?
0: Yes, I do. Um, Look, Davis Mills has looked awful this year, Um, but at the end of the day, he looked amazing against the Raiders. Uh, You know, that, That was a game where I thought, you know, maybe the Raiders defense could get on track and the opposite happened. Davis Mills looked like that was the one time this year that he's looked like what they thought he was last year. Um, So look, I don't think Ellinger's very good. I think that, you know, he probably won't have many good games throughout the rest of the year. I think he can have a decent enough game against that defense this week uh, that, you know, they've allowed, I believe, seven uh, QB1 um, finishes so far this year. Uh, to go to show like that passing game works a lot better against them than pretty much everyone else in the league.
3: Yeah. I I tend, I tend to agree with you on that one. just, just as a floor play, Uh, Chris, I want to move on to your boy though, Dalton Schultz. I got him a tight end 11 this week. Do you think the, the bye week gave him the time he needs to get healthier to at least move a little bit better than a statue with Dak back there?
4: Well, statue or not, he still had six or seven catches last game that he played and came back. So, Dak returning, that was the key thing. And we, you know, i kind of been beating the drum on that. As long as Dak's out there, that's his favorite guy to look for. And we saw that last week. You know, statue or not, he was getting a target. So, it should be nothing but improve this week.
3: Nowhere to go but up. I tend to agree. That's why it comes in my tight end 11 for me this week. Um, oh, I did skip over Matt Collins. So, without Hunter Renfro and without Darren Waller and not coming back anytime soon. Matt Collins has kind of already been that second receiver to Devontae Adams anyway. Are you guys taking a shot on him? I got him as the DFS guy. I got him as like my wide receiver 45 with some upside, but are you going to think about him in the flex?
0: Probably not in a standard size one, uh, unless, you know, I've got someone on by that I'm using um, or, you know, an injured guy. He's certainly, you know, a good backup who I, feel comfortable enough flexing if i need need to but he's not going to be my first pick in many options but in a dynasty league where i have maybe two flexes or you know three receiving spots and a flex that's where it gets like yeah i am probably going to play you
4: chris he's not a guy i necessarily want to play this week his guy i think is pulled because i think the next couple of weeks you're going to find out is he going to be that guy that kind of steps up to the plate and for this year as we've seen Usually, when you know the second fiddle has been asked to step up, it's usually been him. So he could have some sneaky value in the sense that he's a good floor and a guy that maybe you can use throughout the season as the you know, season progresses.
3: All right, let's get to our be cautious of. Be
4: cautious of.
3: Be cautious of Daniel Jones not playing him this week. QB twenty three on the week, and then Aaron freaking Rodgers coming in my QB twenty, and he's going to stay there because he deserves to be there. Going against Detroit. You're bitching and moaning when you threw the three picks that were on you, by the way. Not on the receivers, on you. Against Detroit, I'm done with you. You're dead to me. It was Detroit, and you still sucked. Welcome to your new home, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, let's talk about the giant wide receivers, though. So, Kenny Galladay might be back this week. And, uh, you know, Darius Slayton looked like he had promise. And uh, we thought Wando Robinson could be something as a slot receiver. And I'm not playing any
4: of them. Chris, are you? No, I haven't, you know, I've, I haven't been huge on most of them. The guy I kind of was curious about is Slayton because he has, actually has talent. And, you know, when he's actually been used as the opportunity to kind of show it, he's been a more consistent guy. You know, has thrown him the ball in the past. But with the receiving core and the team that can't throw the ball for over 200 yards passing, you, know, you don't have a whole lot of options you're really looking at to feature. Saquon is the only guy I ever want to touch in this offense. That's the only guy I've been touching most, most, for the most part this year on offense.
3: Adam, I'm going to fast forward to uh, Taysom Hill who is all my be cautious of my, I don't want to play you anymore. Now our whole argument was Andy Dalton's in. So there's actually room. It seemed like for them to run packages, but then they haven't really bothered to do that over the past few weeks. And this is the problem with Taysom Hill. And I'm not on the bandwagon of, well, he still has this great ceiling, even though he has this really low floor. I think you can just find somebody who's just more consistent from week to week. And that's where I'm at. But where are you?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's a barren position. Uh, I think it kind of holds true if you're if you're completely stuck, if you're completely, you know, just at for a loss of the position, you could probably do worse, but you can definitely do better. There's there's 12 tight ends better than him. But no, all it takes is a guy or two to have an extra tight end and you might be forced to start taste the middle.
3: Yeah, look for another option. There's actually some streaming options out there that we'll get to throughout the show. Uh, But let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we still got three more matchups to talk about on this Clairvoyant Thursday with the second half preview for week 10 in the double digits so everybody stay tuned to the md's fantasy football show we'll be back right after this football is back baby and our new sponsor true classic wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft church sure, football season but it's also but the cap season Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at TrueClassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes true classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together. So upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at TrueClassic.com with promo code BellyUpFantasy. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at TrueClassic.com with the promo code BellyUpFantasy. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good.
2: This is the M.D.'s Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
3: Welcome back into the M.D.'s Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for watching live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you have not done so already. Download the Foxy Network app on your TV devices to catch us on demand or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. It really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, Join my co-host, Mr. Christopher Dowhower, and we have Adam LaRue, our special guest from Belly Up Fantasy Live, going through this clairvoyant Thursday, our second half preview for week 10. We're in double digits, guys. We're on the other side of this football season. It's Ooh, it's moving fast, but it's not at the same time. A lot, always the mixed emotions when we're talking about fantasy football. But our three matchups we're, we're going to be talking about in this segment. We've got the Arizona Cardinals against the Rams. we got the Chargers against the 49ers. And, of course, the Monday night game, the Commanders against the Eagles. So let's already get into it and hit our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Obviously, we're playing Jalen Hurts. He's at my QB3. And, yeah, that's pretty obvious there. We're also obviously playing Austin Eckler. He's at RB4. We're obviously playing Christian McCaffrey. Now, this is the question I want to ask when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, which one's going to be the RB1, Adam?
0: That's really tough. Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to lean with the upside of McCaffrey. I like the way they've used him a little bit more uh Barkley has impressed me like himself individually uh lately like he he looks good but the offense around him has just kind of gotten pretty stagnant uh it, it takes him a lot more effort to get the same amount of value as it takes Christian McCaffrey because that coaching staff and the team around him is doing a much better job to get him involved um so as of right now I do think
4: I'll take um McCaffrey
3: you what about you Chris
4: yeah, I want to tend to go with Adam on this one. I love Saquon's opportunity for the volume. I think he's guaranteed to get the most touches of the two. But when it comes to the guys that has that you know, yardage and cumulative plays and opportunity for scoring touchdowns particularly, I like the 49ers opportunity versus the Chargers team that's been giving up points to everybody. Um, and a running attack that's been, you know, definitely been taking, teams have been taking advantage of the Chargers. So last week Atlanta had over 200 yards rushing to Cleveland, had a you know, huge game earlier in the season you can run on the charters all day, every day. So this is a game that I like. Christian McCaffrey value well, over Saquon Barkley. I,
3: I, I meant rest of season actually.
4: Oh, okay. Ooh.
3: Do you want to answer that? Good.
4: Um, I don't have a, I'm not going to, I, I don't know to I can give you a legit thought, but I'm not necessarily too long, but I will go right off the top of my cup. I go with Saquon Barkley um, for the opposite reasons, because, the first reason I said, because of the sheer volume, I trust Saquon's going to say gonna get the sheer volume. I always wonder if Kyle is going to fall in love with the newest toy. Um, And Christian McCaffrey, if he gets a little banged up here or there, Elijah Mitchell comes back, is there a chance that maybe he loses a snap or two and then suddenly it's a split with somebody else? So I like Saquon Barkley because no matter what happens, he is the team.
3: Yeah, and I think that's a fair point, for sure. I think it's going to be interesting. But I think the upside of McCaffrey is just a little bit higher. The offensive line's healthy. And it's a the best running game system in the NFL with now one of the best running backs in the NFL. And I think that we're going to see something we haven't seen in a long time with a Shanahan system actually having a legitimate superstar running back. So I am going to lean slightly towards McCaffrey, but I think it's between those two. And I think it's really, really close. Derek Henry, he'll be in there. He'll be in the mix. But I think it's between those two as far as who the number one is, just because they still have that more passing floor than Henry does on a week-in, week-out basis. Uh, look, we got to talk about Cooper Cup. I mean, he's my wide receiver one coming into the week, but that's before the whole fiasco of what the hell is going on with Matthew Stafford being concussion protocol on a Tuesday that no one ever knew would happen on Sunday to him. And now all of a sudden, I don't think Stafford's going to play. So without Stafford playing, is Cup still a wide receiver one, Chris?
4: I mean, you still play. I'm like, he's a receiver one. I do going to you the production of yeah. like a receiver one. But I, I – I think that he's got the best chance of anybody that could. Um, this team seems to be not be able to get the ball to anybody, and Cooper Cup's one of those guys that you can scheme open whether short, long, down the field. With, you know, a pop arm quarterback, a Bryce Perkins big run around, whatever it is, he's going to probably be the primary read. The problem you have is this team just doesn't score points. So Cooper Cup's the only one to score points for them. So that that is a little bit caution for me, where you know you get the touchdown because Cooper Cup's you know kind of going to just yards somehow, some way, and then that touchdown has been keeping him afloat as receiver one. I don't think he's touchdown necessarily is consistently.
3: John Walford is going to be the starting quarterback. The last time we saw him, he did win a playoff game. So it's not totally out of the question there. But, ooh, I don't know. It's a little bit of a scary situation, I think. But what about with it? We got A.J. Brown here as my wide receiver four. And then we got George Killett, my tight end two, because there's no Mark Andrews this week. And then we got Dallas Goddard. And this is, Adam, I want to ask you about Dallas Goddard. So we had the big game. This past week, is Dallas Goddard a top five tight end? I got him at four this week, but is he a top five tight end rest of season based on the way that the Eagles have seemingly been playing offense and looking to get him involved one way or another?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, The Eagles have been a weird team to me. Uh, where it seems like I, I don't ever lose confidence in the fact that they're probably going to win the game for the most, you know, for most of the games they've had this season. Uh, but they do let teams kind of sit around a lot of the times. It's not like Buffalo where it's like, I'm either going to blow you out or we're going to be in this like, no, it's we're probably going to be in this for at least three quarters a lot of the times. Uh, and with that, I, I think that kind of leaves Goddard's, you know value alive. I'd be a little bit more concerned if they were the type of team that was consistently burying people for a while, but at least as of late, that hasn't been, you know, as much of the case. Um they do have a really nice stretch of games though, especially against the tight end position.
3: All right, let's move him into our lock em in. em in. It's a- Miles Sanders comes into my RB twelve this week. A low and RB one. He's been efficient. Still getting his five yards of carry. And the big key for him is that he's actually scored a touchdown the last three weeks in a row, even though he still continues to struggle with getting consistent volume. Got the matchup on Monday night against the commanders. And is Sanders like people really aren't talking about him too much, but is he just a low end RB one right now, regardless of what's going on? Do you trust that Adam? Go ahead.
0: I, I think so. Uh you know, it, like I said, they aren't necessarily pulling completely away from teams, uh, but they are kind of, you know, typically up, uh, which is kind of an interesting spot where, you know, you're not like, all right, let's bring in the bru- bruiser or, you know, a backup running back to take, kind of take the brunt, like we don't need to play the starter, but we are going to be running a lot. Um, So while he hasn't gotten the, you know, share of the volume that maybe in a normal offense you'd be wanting, um, one with having a running quarterback that opens things up tremendously for, uh, you know, your actual running back. And then to uh, the, you know, he's in a good spot uh, on that team.
3: Yeah. I tend to agree with that. Lock him in. Deandre Hopkins is my wide receiver nine this week. And also lock him in Debo Samuel. have it wide receiver 10. Now I know it hasn't been the greatest run for Debo, but Chris, I think he just gets paid too much money to continue to be the, third, fourth option in this offense. And that's kind of what I'm basing this off of in the second half, where it's got to be him over
4: Ayuk, right? I mean, that's it. that's kind of my question when I talked about the, uh, when it comes to McCaffrey the rest of the season is how do you of uh, feed all these guys that you have to kind of justify not using week-to-week? Adiba Samuel, if he's not going to be involved in this, George Kittle not going a target, does, you know, as you talked about, who are you going to kind of not use? Debo, I do think there's a chance, and this is me just guessing more of a conjecture thing. I feel like you know we talked about Ryan earlier on the show his injury. That it was maybe a, a an ego injury that he's going to come back. Like, oh, I'll be involved in play, you know, involved in the game this week. I'll play. I'm healthy, so I think there's a chance that he's going to probably be involved pretty, you know, more so. But I don't love Debo necessarily with Christian McCaffrey because they're two similar players and they use you know, kind of eat with each other. And I use preferred preferred passing option, um, I think, for Jimmy G.
3: He, he has been to this point in the season. There's no doubt about it. It just it blows my mind if you give him that contract, he's getting paid close to thirty million dollars. How do you not make a point to start getting him going at some point for the playoffs? The play? Uh then I guess so. And that's that's that is a that is a great retort. And I can't argue with that, but it just doesn't <laughs> make any sense. Uh Devonta Smith he come he's coming in my wide receiver twenty-four. I'm locking him in as a wide receiver too. He's been all over the place too. But he's too good of a receiver. On too good of an offense and too good of a matchup for me to not have him in my lineup, so that's what I'm basing off of. Adam might too high.
0: No, I, I think that's about the right range. Uh, you know, he's got upside. Uh, Chris said it earlier. You don't necessarily have like the normal wide receiver two this year, so I think someone that uh, you know has the potential for the huge games, kind of like he does. Uh, and is a a really good player. You know, I I feel at least comfortable playing talent, even if, you know, the situation doesn't always allow him, uh, you know, the best games in the world. So um, all all things considered, yeah, I think a low end too feels right. Okay,
3: let's move. Actually, that does it for that. Let's go to our lookout for players.
0: Lookout for...
2: All
3: right, so this might not be as big of a deal as I thought it could have been. With Kyler Murray getting, you know, on the injury report with a hamstring yesterday. But then it sounds like he practiced in full today. Well, Chris, I was going to kick this over to you. While I have Kyler Murray as my QB6, because basically I'm just reflecting, if you have Murray, you probably have to play him. I, I don't see you in too many situations where you have a better option to pivot to. But I did want to point out that if he is hindered at all, actually, by a hamstring injury, he does not have his mobility he winds up being not a very good quarterback from a fantasy perspective. So I guess my question to you is this. Does do you have Do you have any worries now that he practiced in full today?
4: I mean, I still have some worries. You know, he, the guy still relies on his athleticism, as you kind of alluded to, and you do question, you know, having not having your lower bodies that can affect you even more throwing the ball, which you kind of struggle with. The thing that's kind of, you know, encouraging for me if I'm a Murray or owner in regards kind of the leg things is as long as he's had Hopkins kind of, you know, back... And had Robin Moore kind of settled in the slot. He's got two guys that he feels comfortable kind of involving and throwing the ball to. James kind of talked ret- returned last week. He looks like you know terrible. I don't know why he's out there, but he's still being involved. So Kyle Murray has easy guys to kind of you know look for. So I think that's one of the things you see This Arizona team kind of shaping itself where it knows where it's kind of prioritizing and Kyle Murray knows where to kind of go with his reads, quote unquote, he doesn't read anything. But I think that's kind of you know what's going on right now. And I think that you'll you feel more comfortable with him because even if he does kind of not use his legs. Hopkins factor, Rondell Moore being healthy now, both those guys being out there help him a lot.
3: Justin Herbert is my QB9 right now. Um, I don't feel good about it. Uh, This could be a really bad matchup on Sunday night for him. Doesn't really have his weapons. Is a really good defensive front against a very banged-up offensive line, and he has been particularly great himself. But you just look at the other quarterbacks on the list, Adam – i have him right in front of gino and trevor lawrence and jimmy g and kirk cousins so i feel like out of obligation i i have to put him there what do you think
0: uh i didn't catch that last part do you think
3: Do you think he belongs there with the other names behind him at the qb9 list i'll put the graphic up for you yeah
0: no it, it's tough um I, I struggle putting him above Gino personally. And honestly, even Jimmy, to an extent, Jimmy's had a really good stretch, um, you know, a top top end uh, starting quarterback, four out of the last, or three out of the last four, excuse me. Uh, And, you know, Gino has played really well. Uh, Herbert's probably a top 12. You probably should be starting him, you know, in a, a normal 12 team, but 10's a dicey number for him, I think, just the way he's been playing and the way this, where this team is using him, they're not using him uh, correctly, in my opinion. And obviously, with uh, you know all of his weapons being out, that's just a recipe for disaster.
3: Well, you you went into my next guys. My lookout for quarterback is uh, it was JBG, a QB twelve. To your point, he's had a nice little run. It's nothing special. It's nothing crazy. He's not letting up the world, but he's getting that ultra important apparently this year seventeen points per game at the quarterback position, and that's allowing him to be. A high-end QB two most weeks. You go to a week now, we have four teams on by, and all of a sudden, Chris Jimmy G's a, a low-end QB one.
4: Do you agree? Yeah, thank you for the high-scoring NFL games. We're just super excited <laughs> to watch Jimmy G score, you know, seventeen <laughs> points as fantasy-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's got to be an option for you. Ukran Chargers team that I talked about earlier has definitely been terrible versus the run, but they've been terrible versus the pass as well. You could definitely take advantage of them. I am I having some concerns that, you know, the, the 49ers have to actually kind of throw the ball on the Chargers because you can run so effectively if they kind of just decide to do that. Um, but I think overall, the Chargers offense is going to move the ball. I think more so people than people expect in the your defense. So I think you're going to kind of match that. Jimmy has a nice safe floor this week.
3: All right, let's move on to our running backs, our lookout for running backs. Antonio Gibson cracks my top 24. Who would have thunk that a Gibson would actually turn this thing around and suddenly be viable moving forward? That's what we're dealing with now. And with J.D. McKissick out of the way, Gibson gets to do what he always should have done, which is be the pass catching back. Imagine that. The guy who used to be a wide receiver (laughs) in college being good at catching the ball and finally utilizing him as such he's been RB21 this entire season. He did the first few weeks when there's no Brian Robinson in the mix, and now he's doing it again, even when this was quote unquote a three man carousel. Now we got Jordan Davis on IR. We kind of saw Damian Pierce have some success running the ball against the Eagles without Jordan Davis in the middle. Adam, are you playing Gibson with confidence like I am as an RB two?
0: Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. All of what you just said, uh Davis makes the matchup a lot better. Uh, again I've kind of beat on it like they aren't taking away the run run from you they'll probably start running themselves but I think you'll still be allowed to run against them like you're not going to be oh we can only pass uh, because they're up so much Uh, you know Washington's probably going to lose but I think they'll have an opportunity to uh, still use the running game for most of the day
3: All right. Well, what about Chris? We go to well, Ryan Robinson. I'll just mention he's my RB 35. He has to score to be worth anything. So just keep that in mind. If you're thinking about Brian Robinson this week, I would try not to. Let's talk about Rondell Moore, Chris. So I got him at my wide receiver 33. Finally, since they got Robbie Anderson, they seem to be allowing him to just, you know, do what he actually does best, which is play the slot. I love what these coaches it's like. You have to have certain players in order to make other players play their roles and what they should be doing. But you know, that's where we are today, especially when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury. Unfortunately, uh, do you is that too low? I mean, frankly, if he's getting eight to ten targets since every game that he's played the slot so far this year.
4: Yeah, first, I first want to thank Kyle Shanahan and you know for that kind of contribution to the league that we see. That all these different coaches struggle to use their multiple weapons. Um, but yeah, I think it is something that. You, you, I think you have to look at it that way, Dan. I think you have a, good, a lot of good points with it. I mean, I think it's something that the the production is not the kind of matching what you're seeing.
3: Okay, yeah, good. I'm glad you're in agreement with me. How about Josh Palmer? I got him my RB wide receiver 23. Now, on paper, this is actually a decent matchup for the wide receivers, and I, I think it's part of a reflection of, you know, Kansas City kind of lighting it up and the 49er secondary not being totally healthy. But Palmer's going to be the guy. There's going to be no Keenan Allen. It's going to be no Mike Williams. And uh, volume, we always say, is key in fantasy, and volume might be key here. So, Adam, my question to you is: is that too high in a what might be a tough matchup in some people's minds?
0: No, because I I think Josh Palmer um, is—he's not some world-beater, great receiver, but I think he's good enough to kind of get the uh, you know the non-flashy yards. I mean, we saw it—we were watching the game uh, you know last weekend together and. He never had a play where Red Zone was like, oh, let's go over here to see the cool thing Josh Palmer did. But you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game, he was pretty productive. He was, you know, moving the chains, getting the ball a lot. Uh, So I don't know if he'll do anything crazy. I don't know if we will have any flash plays, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him with eight catches, 80 yards, (laughs) and that's playable right now.
3: Well, and the other thing I'll throw out there, too, is that Palmer's really good against zone. That's primarily what the 49ers play on the defensive back end. We do have a question coming here from Jocelyn. Tony Pollard over James Conner. Uh, let me double check my rankings. I'm pretty sure I do have Tony Pollard over James Conner, though. Uh, yes, yes. I am definitely in on Tony. Uh, I, I thought it in theory. I want to make sure I was right. But yeah, I got James Conner at 32. I got Tony Pollard coming in at 19. Uh, Chris, you're nodding your head. You agree?
4: Yeah, I have my grandfather over James Conner right now.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, let's move. Uh, we got a uh, Brand Ayuk. He comes <coughs> in at wide receiver twenty-five. Now, Devo's going to play. Do we have any confidence in Brain Ayuk? And I like I have him as a top end flex play because, to Chris's point, well, he's kind of been the favored guy. Now, I have some questions about does that remain true coming out of the bye week? Adam, let's get your perspective on this. On Ayuk? On Ayuk? Yes.
0: Yeah, he. I, I think he's looked really good with the uh, the receiving game. So I don't, I don't, you know, see any reason to stray from it. Uh, it feels like an offense that you know the last time we saw them was really, really efficient. I think did a really good job with everything they were doing. Um, so I, I don't know that they fix something that's not broken. I think they're doing well. I think they're doing what they kind of want to do for the most part, other than get Debo the ball. But if everything else is working, I, I think it's going to be hard for them to switch things up.
3: Uh, Jocelyn's asking Chris is, is your grandpa on the waiver wire? Do you know?
4: Yeah, I don't know Jocelyn. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry.
3: Thanks for tuning in Jocelyn. All right. So we got, what we got up next. We got uh Terry McLaurin coming at wide receiver 32. So this is a brutal matchup on Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. And finally, what I kept expecting to see with Taylor Heineke taking over kind of came to fruition last week. A little bit there. I don't have much confidence in him. Again, wide receiver thirty-two. Still had to consider him a flex play. Yes, be in the conversation, but there's other options I just want to go with. What do you think, Chris?
4: Yeah, I tend to agree. Look, the only guy who would probably play in this the whole receiving core would be McLaurin. But other than that, I think that you're looking for a very limited ceiling, a team that has not been giving up a lot of passing yards in the Eagles. If you attack the Eagles, usually it's from the slot position, not the outside receivers where they bribe very slayer just been playing lights out. Um, so if they're gonna move McLaurin around a little bit, you know, there's some chance now you have seen him be featured more as a receiver one and the target share's been there. So I do like that kind of you know, that that you know focus. But I don't know if it's necessarily gonna be enough for you to if you have better options you know, you can go to. But as you kind of been talking about most of the show, not a lot of great options this week. So Terry McLaurin might be a guy I still trying to find in your lineup because what else you gotta kinda of throw out there.
3: It's really weird. Like last week we had six teams on by. And I felt like we had more options to go with last week than we do this week with four teams on by. It's very, very, very strange. We got another question coming in from uh, Big Trev. Needs some help. He's got Adam Thielen, Nicole Hartman, Devin Singletary, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. And he needs three in a full-point PPR league. Adam, what would you do there?
0: Uh, definitely DPJ. Uh, definitely Thielen. Ooh, that last two... You know, I I hate to chase, but I, I like the way that the Chiefs have used Hardman lately. I guess I'll have that as my third. Um, but that one is the diciest between Hardman and Singletary. Definitely Phelan and DPJ.
3: Here's what I do want to throw out there. miko Hardman has not practiced the last two days due to a dominant soreness, so I don't know if he's definitely going to be active. Ooh,
0: yeah. Well, then I'd feel fine with Singletary. Like I said, that one
4: was dicey for me without knowing that. So,
3: Chris, who'd your three be in that scenario?
4: Yeah, if Harbin's healthy, I actually would go with him. I'm not a big believer in the Chiefs receivers in general because I think you can't predict who it is going to be. But as Adam kind of alluded to, Harbin's been the most consistent, you know, kind of guy floor-wise the last few, four or five weeks. We've seen five to six targets. as like the A.G. Green in the offense, except for he scores touchdowns. Uh, of last year, I mean, the A.G. Green offense. Um, so he has been kind of involved one way or another. You just haven't really seen the yardage, so it's a little bit limiting. Peoples jones to me, is a guy that, you know, you wouldn't consider. But I actually like Thielen and Singletary the best of the other two.
3: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Look, with Case Keenum likely being the starting quarterback, I do think the Bills are going to have to come in with a game plan to lean on the run a little bit more. I think that will actually help out uh Devin Singletary. And I would have to go Adam Thielen, of course, this week, because he's just one of the better receivers. And then I would, you know, I'm gonna go down with people Jones here over me call Harmon. I just don't think Harmon's gonna play. Now, if Harman plays a totally different scenario, I probably would just roll the dice on Harman for the upside. But DPJ, not a bad option. One more question before we move on. Any concern for Aaron Jones' ankle issue in a tough matchup against Dallas? That's coming from Joe. Joey talked about this earlier on in the show. Aaron Jones is going to play, and they need guys who can make plays, and A.J. Dillon is not one of those guys. So as long as Aaron Jones is out there playing in full, you are playing Aaron Jones. So let's move on here to our tight ends, our lookout for tight ends, and that is, for me, Zach Ertz. Now he comes in a tight end six, so you're probably going to have to play him. But this is not a great matchup for tight ends against the Rams and lately since DeAndre Hopkins has come back Zach Ertz needs that touchdown to stay relevant I don't know if he gets it here but based on the target share that we've seen start to increase over the past few weeks and the other tight end options I'll put that back that graphic back up for you I don't know how you bench Ertz necessarily what do you think Adam?
0: Man that is so tough uh I think it's high for me. Uh, man, they, Arizona, if I remember correctly, scored 12 points last time this, these two teams met up. This is not a game that I expect to be uh, ridiculously high scoring. So if we're talking a guy that needs a touchdown to be uh, someone that we you know, are, are talking about, uh, I, I, I struggle with that. Um, yeah, I, I just don't expect this to be a very high scoring game.
3: Okay, well, on the flip side, I got another guy to look out for, and that's, that's Gerald Everett, who comes in my tight end 10. Now, Chris, this is the opposite of Zach Ertz. This is all about volume. Because, again, similar to Zach Ertz, it's not a good matchup for tight ends against San Francisco. But without the, all the weapons, Gerald Everett, he didn't get a big stat line, but he did have, what, eight targets last week?
4: Yeah, actually, I'm not a big Everett fan necessarily this week. He talked about the matchup's tough for the 49ers. And I think I beat the 49ers is you throw out at the receivers, you throw out your, your, your backs. I think, you know, the Chargers can do both those things in a sense, especially the backs. Um, and I, I don't necessarily love Everett. I think that you kind of alluded to last week that he had the targets. Number seven, didn't really do anything. He's had that a couple of times this year now where, the, you know, the targets have been there, but the volume or the production you're hoping for has not really been what you were hoping for. And I think when you look at some of the tight ends, you know, Zach Ertz is a guy that has to be kind of in that top six, seven, because the name after that, there's nobody doing anything. So it's like, you rather a guy gets you nothing, or Zach Ertz might get you five catches for 45 yards, but it was five catches for 45 yards versus nothing.
3: And this is why I hate the tight end position. And I think everybody's just making a flex, just making an extra flex. All right, let's move to our Be Cautious of. Be
0: Cautious of.
3: Well, uh, we don't really have to have much of a conversation here. I was already not going to play Matthew Stafford, and uh, it doesn't sound like he wants to play either. So we don't
4: even have to really talk about that too much. We'll on the that. Good. Like I was gonna say exciting wise. If, if, I don't think Kyron was supposed to play, but I was. I wanted to see if if Wolford and Kyron Williams were to play. Would it be the smallest backfield like, of all time?
3: Because
4: oh. I think would they be combined height of like, like five four.
3: We can talk about that now because the other thing was the Rams running back. So I'm not touching any of them with the 10-foot pole. You're going to have Kyron Williams in the mix, reportedly. Uh, Cam Akers, who's suddenly now back at the good graces of the team. Who knows what the hell happened there before. But now all of a sudden, you know, we got to get back together. Darrell Henderson, who's done nothing with the opportunity in front of him. And I, I don't know. Roddy Rivers seemed like he went away last week. So maybe we don't have to talk about him as much. But the other three guys, what in the hell is going to happen? Now, you're not playing any of them this week. Is anybody going to emerge, to do anything this year at all, Adam?
0: I doubt it. Uh, I have like not like non zero hopes for <laughs> Kyron Williams. Just that, you know, maybe he's a, a, a little sparky. Uh, maybe he's just kind of small enough. Uh, for things to work out in his favor, but I'm not like you know, it's super confident that that's going to happen. If anyone, I think it is him. I think he's got like a, a like I said, a non-zero chance. Uh, Acres, I don't see it. Henderson, I don't see it.
3: Chris, what do you think? Do you think anybody merges here?
4: Well, I think they have. It's been Henderson. It's just you, nobody was happy with the value of who's emerged. That's the problem. It's just it, the guy emerged has been Henderson. He's been the guy week in, week out. You're just not always having the 12 catches or 12 carries for, you know, 37 yards or whatever he gets. That's, that's, that's why nobody's you know excited about the fact that they're hoping for something better.
3: And what, what, a, what a mess this is. Uh, obviously you're not going to play Robbie Anderson. Now, Curtis Samuel, I have him outside my top 36. I have him at my wide receiver 39. So technically he just misses the cut, but if I can't play Terry McLaurin, I can't play Curtis Samuel who's even been less involved than everybody else. To this point, since Taylor Heineke has taken over, he was average. He's averaging five targets a game with Taylor Heineke when he was averaging eight targets a game with Carson Wentz. What do you do about Curtis Samuel? Because I don't know that they go back to Carson Wentz, even though I think they should. What do you think, Adam?
0: Um, I, I mean, I think he's someone you kind of hold on to uh, for the time being, at least, and until we find definitely uh, whether or not Carson Wentz, uh, you know, takes that job back because he's got good upside with Wentz in there. Uh, you know, they can use him deep. They can get kind of the volume stuff. They love using him in gadget ways. Like he, he is a very interesting play uh, with Wentz. So, you know, I, I think it's just kind of worth having that upside on your roster unless you absolutely need that spot.
3: Chris, I did this last be cautious of one for you. Uh, Tyler Higby, see ya. He's now a blocker, not a playmaker. And that was, like I said, that was before we found out about what's going on with Matthew Stafford. I'll be moving him even further down my ranks with that news on top of it. But it just seems like, well, Sean McVay decided, okay, I-, I need you to block.
4: Yeah, I mean, he basically tried to figure out something to go to. Asked him to block. He still refuses to go to tight ends and play the 12th personnel for some reason, which would help me kind of get out into his past patterns. But as a result of not doing so, you need somebody to stay in the block. It can't be Van Jefferson. Can't be Cooper Cup, can't be Allen Robinson, so bye bye Todd Higby. And if a midget running back plays, it'll probably be him even more often.
3: Yeah, what 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 a fall from grace the Rams are going through right now. All right, that's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow for the Cashing Friday show at 10 p.m. Eastern. Chaz Valari will join us in the second half of the show to give our lock bets of the week. In the first half, Chris and I will give us our DFS. Lineups to talk about our MD's fantasy contest as we're kicking off. The month of November, well, we did that last week. We're getting into the month of November, I guess I should say. With the Bill Bates autographed jersey on the line, make sure you sign up there. It's a free tournament. It's available on our social media feeds at MDFF Show. It'll also be in the comments during tomorrow's show. And then the other way, of course, is to sign up by flex.fan slash bellyupff and look for the MDFF show in the arena to take us on one on one to be able to get your name in there. I want to thank Adam Larue for taking time out to come on this Thursday night show. Adam, where can everybody follow you, and what do you got coming up this week?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, check out my Twitter at Larue Adam up on the screen. Uh, if you happen to be watching, uh, go take it, uh, give a look. Uh, otherwise, you know, I do the Belly Up Fantasy Live Tuesday edition on. Tuesdays, we do a little bit of, uh, you know, transactions, waivers, streamers, all of that stuff. Gonna get your roster ready for this point of the week when we're kind of figuring out who you're gonna start or not. Uh, so come get your roster ready on Tuesdays, and that's co hosted with Chris and I. So, uh, you know, th- if you enjoy Chris on this show, then uh, definitely go check that out.
3: Make sure you check it out. All right, guys, I'm gonna do it for today. Everybody, have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow.
2: Be the offensive.